to provide guidance to mankind. No vision can grasp you. Welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frick. And greetings, my friends and fellow daemons, and welcome to another episode of Daemonosophy 2.0, the only podcast fighting for liberty and the left-hand path. And today, we have another great talk from the island of Kona and the awesome Setian gathering that took place there. This is from Mega Mundo, the Mega of Weird. And that's spelled W-Y-R-D for those who aren't in the know. And this is a great talk. She talks about not just uh, her concept of weird, but also about dreams and the work that she does with the Order of the Wells of Weird. Um, where they do a lot of experimentation and hands-on work with the phenomenon of dreaming and efforts towards achieving lucid dreaming and various other dream states. And she covers all of them. And it's a great talk because she talks about all the different types of dreams that they're um, identifying over the course of their work. And um, you'll hear me uh, at some point in this getting excited when they talk about night hags. Because as uh, most of you who've read Daemonosophy know that I was tortured by demons as a child and certainly had some uh, harrowing night hag experiences in there, which still give me uh, shivers today when I think about it. But um, that might be a, a good discussion topic for another episode. But for now, I present to you Megamundo and stories about weird collections. Hold up. So the talk, the name of this talk is Weird Goes As She Shall. And so I like to start it with sort of like a very encapsulating idea for me of what you can think of when you think of weird, which is this great quote by Goethe, be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. So the first part of my presentation, I'm going to contextualize by talking a little bit about weird. Then I'm going to go into some cool dream stuff. And then I have a special surprise for you, which is a video art piece that I made that is specifically about some of the concepts that we're going to look at today. Okay. So in my um, journey through the fifth degree, the first three years have been really interesting. Um, I kind of got stuck at the very beginning with all the other ways that People have referred to weird in the past, particularly um, if you're coming from like a Nor- Norse mythology aspect or um, linguistics, uh, linguists writing about weird, all the academia that I had been sort of steeped in. And because I can, I decided I, I really wanted to play around with the ideas since, again, it's my prerogative. So um, I started to think about what would weird be if it was 
uh, idea of a place as opposed to, um, you know, like just a crank on a well, right, to turn, Verdun, right? So I say, weird is a place where seemingly unrelated events intersect in an individual or individuals, creating a connection to the source of our becoming. So I've been keeping tab um, at this conclave. I've heard someone say, oh, that's weird, like maybe like 92 times at this point or whatever. And, and just so you know in advance, it doesn't make my stomach hurt. I'm not like, well, you know, it's, it's not like that for me. But for me, I am really looking for like where, where is that plug? Since this is, a, since this is a linguistic term that is related, that does come to us, you know, via Shakespeare and Macbeth with, with the weird sisters, literally meaning, oh, uncanny, strange, weird, what happens when it's a place? So this place to me is the source, right? Which stems from our knowledge of when we first came into being and became set-like, meaning we gained consciousness and therefore immortality, which seems to be like a theme running through the whole delightful conclave. This was done in advance, I promise. I didn't just scribble down notes during other people's talks. Okay. <laughs> um, so our knowledge gained from our first coming into being is created through the paradigm that time is not linear. Um, so this is also a complication with the linguistic aspect of weird, right? Because um, particularly with this concept, we're talking about um, what was, what is, and what should become, right? Urth, Verdandi, and Skulds, which is like the, the Norns, right? That are, guard the tree of Yggdrasil, that have like the waters of weird, that they're hanging out with. So what, how could it possibly be that time is not linear? Well, through synchronicity, we absolutely know that it's not, that time is like this complete... This complete loop. So it's through these synchronicities that our past, present, and future is accessible to us through moments of discrete states of consciousness, especially in dreaming. Um, and so that is one of the reasons why, for example, that the OWW really likes this tool. Man, we're on fire when it comes to dream technologies. Because for us, even though you could use absolutely anything in order to have this, this ability to access um, these ideas about weird, you could do cooking, it could be gardening, it could be martial arts. For us, we really like the dream state because, um, well, it happens every night. <laughs> That's convenient. Um, it's a third of your life, right, that normally you would be doing something else like sleeping only and not having this processing that's happening. And also because it's something that we get to share with each other in a really intimate way. Okay. This, by the way, is Jacob's Well in Austin, Texas, which is this really cool cenote. Um, you have to make a reservation now to jump into it, but it's interesting. I'm, um, you'll see there's a lot of um, continued motifs in my talk of the images are just important to me as the words. Oh, look at that PowerPoint kind of screwed up there. Okay. So dreams and weird. So dreams make our experience of weird accessible. Um, weird can be navigated through dreams. Dreams are not the only way to access weird. I just talked about that. Um, Weird is a source of long desire, so dreams can be a spotlight on that. And when I'm talking about long desire, um, I'm not just talking about something that you want really, really bad for a long time. Like, I remember when I was six, and I super wanted a bike, and man, that year couldn't, it just seemed like it was 1,000 years, and then I didn't get a bike. That's not, that's not exactly what I'm talking about, long desire. Long desire is sort of like this cathonic, maybe we say blissful state, um, inside of you that you manifest throughout your life as you achieve sort of like what is like the ultimate you, your epic, epic story. Um, where it is about navigating through space and time as a community, specifically, 
um, and can act as a spotlight about our connections to our community and our community's connection to us. Sort of like what we were talking about the other day, I feel like this is the Keferu aspect of the ionic formula. So what I'm going to do now, so we're going to kind of do, 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 dial back a little bit. So you have sort of like a, a little bit of a scaffolding. So everything else I'm going to talk about is sort of like the tool that we could use in order to access this. This is just one tool again. So we're going to talk about some really cool stuff in sleep and dreams. But before we get there, um, I just want to sort of like do like the basics, one-on-ones of sort of like what's happening when we sleep. So there's... At the last literature, there's four stages of sleep. Um, so in the first stage, um, that's that super light sleep where you can super easily be woken up. You're just sort of, people always call it, I'm drifting off to sleep. Um, it's, a, it's a super powerful part of the stages of sleep because it's the hypnagogue, right? It's the hypnagogic state. So that's like when we're talking about incubating dreams or entering into dreams, this is the place where you, you want to have already laid down all your groundwork of what you want to do. Um, so it's also like um, maybe from a body sensation where you start to feel kind of like fuzzy or tingly or lightheaded or uh, you just can't keep your eyes open. So next, here you are, you're in stage two and now all of a sudden you can't move. <laughs> your, the, your body floods, your brain floods your body with hormones that keep you literally from being able to move in your sleep unless you're me and you sleepwalk and it's a problem and everyone's frightened. Um, so even though your brain waves have slowed down, um, there is still like this higher brain wave function that's happening. So again, you're just, your, your brain is preparing your body to go into a place where literally you can't move, but you're going you're gonna to be flooded by all of the content of your brain. So um, stage three and four, this is slow wave sleep. Um, so that's unconscious activity that's happening. So it's kind of like this dr sort of what they call a, a dreamless area of sleep. Um, I, I have a little bit of a different idea. I know that they call it dreamless. There are some things that I include in my presentation that I think are happening during this stage of sleep. So it wouldn't exactly be a dream, but it's definitely a nocturnal state of consciousness. And then finally we get to the good part. Yay! Okay, so then REM, rapid eye movement. So REM sleep, that's, that's the dream sleep. So I'm sure most of you have heard the term REM sleep, yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, if you wake up from sleep, you're more likely to be able to re-enter your dream. That is, that is one thing that I want to let you know in advance. Um, also, the thing I think is really cool is that the first cycle lasts like one to five minutes. It's like super fast, but then that last cycle is pretty long. It can last up to an hour. A really long time ago, <laughs> I did this crazy experiment. It was so amazing to me, um, where I decided I wanted to videotape myself sleeping because I was having these super epic long dreams, right? And I wanted to know. I'm like, man, I just, I just like, experienced 80 years of time in this dream. What's going on? So I videotaped myself sleeping, and I had learned how to do like a, a, a like through a lucid induction, like I could like do my finger to show, okay, the dream started, right? So I'm videotaping it so I know, okay, the dream started. And I couldn't even believe it that the vast majority of, like, the really long, mythic, crazy dreams that I was having were five minutes long, that that's actually what was, that was what was really happening. I woke up thinking, oh, okay, that's not, was not what I was expecting at all. Okay, let's talk about some cool, different, discrete states of consciousness and dreams. So the stuff that I'm going to talk about is not, this is not it. This is not the end-all, be-all. This is not even all the stuff that we do in the OWW, but this is like pretty explored territory for us. I want to say in advance that 
the stuff that I'm talking about is not me going to the library and checking out a book and then being like the researchers say this is this is all our this is all tried and true stuff. This is just stuff that we figured out. Um, I have kind of a strange method of working. I like to go and play with stuff and be like, wow, that's what happened. And then later, oh, yeah, that's what the research said. OK, I guess I'm somewhere near where it's happening. OK. So lucid dreams, I started with that, because that's the one that most people have heard of. How many people here have had a lucid dream or think that you've had a lucid Almost everybody. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> OK. So, so you tell me, how do you know it's a lucid dream? What are the characteristics of a lucid dream? And what's one thing? Just popcorn it. Like, you know it's a lucid dream because? I can make it make happen what I want. Right, you can control aspects of the dream. Check, OK. Direction of flight. The which? Direction of my flight on the flight. Oh, so you're like a super lucid dreamer because you've got the flight down. OK, yep, yes? Ooh, that's awesome. Yes, because what happens when you try to dream in a REM sleep dream? It's a, when you, it's a little different, right? Um, so waking filters don't apply. Um, so this, when you lucid dream, it's usually happening in the fifth, uh, fourth and fifth uh, sleep cycles of the night. So like, you, it's very hard to have a lucid dream if you're habitually only getting like five hours of sleep a night or something like that, right? So you, 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 need, a, you need a chunk of time to be able to do this. Um, Lucid dreams are easily incubated. I'm going to talk a little bit later about what does that mean. Um, and um, you know you're asleep and dreaming. And if you wake up, which is really common for people the first couple times they try to do it, I have some, I have some methods for you to try to, to, try to be there um, a little bit longer, like spinning or whirling, or there's, there's some things you can do about wiggling your hands. Whatever works for you ultimately, but it has to do with sort of like this mind-body connection that's happening. So, um, funny story with lucid dreaming. So, um, one of the things that, and I like that you said this, you can control certain aspects of the dream, right? But when you're first learning how to lucid dream, sort of like anything that you think is instantly what's happening, like, in, like literally anything that you think is what's happening. And so I recall this one time, <laughs> right when I was learning how to lucid dream, um, I was reading a book about lucid dreaming, which is a good way, right before I went to sleep, for you, like for the first couple of times to, to get to there, fall asleep reading that. And um, I, for reals, this is a true, this is a true method. And so um, I, I started hearing dogs bark in, in my dream. Right? And I'm like, oh, I hear some dogs barking. This is really cool. And then because I'm in a dream state, this is quite a bit of time ago, I'm like, well, it sounds like there's quite a few of them. And so then <laughs> there's like even more dogs barking, right? I'm like, oh, dear, it sounds like um, they might be really angry. And so then the dogs are like growling and barking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what if, what if they come and they try to attack me? And like I'm suddenly surrounded by like 150 dogs all like barking and howling at me, right? And I was like, ah, oh, I'm, this is at least a dream. I can do it. OK, I'm awake, right? So, so just keep that in mind the first couple of times that you're trying it, or, or even if it's your hundredth time, that pretty much whatever you're thinking about is what's going to happen. How do I do it? Yay! Well, how do you guys do it, since so many people raise their hands? Uh, I heard a technique in the Central Europe Live, and that was uh, to do something in a dream that I cannot do in real life. For example, I cannot fly, so that was my technique. Mm -hmm. So I try flying. Yep. If flying works, then I am definitely like dreaming. That's, that's like really jumping in. Because I tried it and it worked. And it was uh, the dream, it was it at home. 
darkness, it was like kind of grayish inside, and it's all really, really creepy experience. Oh, I like creepy. Hey, what's your method for flight then? Do you, do you lift off? Do you have to grab the backs of your ankles? You have to run and get a start? Just no, out of curiosity. You just, fly. you levitate. Yeah, you, so you levitate. Yeah. Have you been able to go prone and fly? Like no, Superman? I was, I was That's hard, like, right? Oh, I'm flying. And... Yeah, most people levitate, they're like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. Um, rally testing. So like for folks that haven't had a lucid dream, um, really can just work on, you've never had a lucid dream? What? No, I I, I've heard that from a few people here. Well, we can change that, but only if you want. So, I mean, really, really, guys, uh, when we're talking about discrete states of consciousness, I'm talking about ways to access the state of being that's happening all the time, right? So when I'm talking about dreaming, that's, that's always going on. That's not just happening like, I'm, oh, no, I'm dreaming. So this is just a way to, to get into that place, the source of becoming, you might want to. Um, so rally testing works on a, the premise of repetition, right? So and what you do is you pick a period of time. Um, it's best to pick like maybe two days before, three days before you want to have a lucid dream. And so maybe 20 times a day, and you have to remember to do it. That's the difficult part. Um, you're going to do reality testing, and you've got to pick the same thing every time because, again, it works on the basis of repetition. So you could be like... You know, you're, you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you're brushing your teeth, like, oh, am I dreaming? If I'm dreaming, then that light switch over there is going to turn into an apple. I like to pick easy things. So point to something and say it's going to become something else. When it, and you have to say it out loud. And when it doesn't, say, oh, I guess I must not be dreaming then, right? Be care, be, do be careful what you choose. Um, but in any case, pick a simple thing. So then eventually, literally because of, the, because of how your brain works, at some point in a dream, you will find yourself saying, oh, um, am I dreaming? If I'm dreaming, then that fan right there is going to become an apple. You have to make it turn into the same thing every time. And it, it, it will. Do you always pick something in your physical? Yes, something you can see that's around you in your, in your, space. In your space. Yeah, don't, yes. Pick, don't, don't imaginate that you're picking something, like literally a physical thing. And for example, even if that thing doesn't turn into an apple, it will turn red and you'll be like, wait, why is it, oh, the apple, I'm asleep and I'm dreaming. It's so magical. Inanimate objects. Yeah, you probably don't want to, I would think picking, pardon? I would choose a, I could talk to you about that. I would choose maybe a different a different method for that, but you could work your dogs into it, no problem. So that's, that's probably like the easiest for me, anyway, way of teaching people like a basic one-on-one um, lucid, how to get into a lucid dream. Um, do I have anything else on there? Oh, I have on here. <laughs> that was funny that I put that in there. I said enroll in a study. Um, I used to be um, a part of a sleep study that was done by the um, Dream Stephen LaBerge's Dream Dream Study Institute. Um, that that actually taught me a lot about lucid dreaming. Um, and and yeah, you know, I like how they kind of um, demystified it. I don't agree with a bunch of their theories, but that's that's a thing. You can en- you can enroll in a sleep study. Um, I have get buried in the desert or other shamanic style activities. That might be more your style, priest but yeah. Um, participate in an OWW dream room. It's sort of like when you play pool. Anyone here play pool? Yeah, so you know like when you play with someone who's like better than you, that you play better, right? So like if, come come play with us in the OWW, not that we're better at it, but like if we're all doing it, like we all like raise each other to a higher level, right? And you say, uh, read about it, was it read about dreaming? Yeah. Uh, 
you read, you read a book? Man, but it's so funny because we were talking about this at an earlier presentation too, right? Um, it's like the first couple ones are freebies, it feels like, in your brain. Like, lucid dreaming sounds amazing. I'm reading about it. I can do it. Like, the first three are free. And then after that, you're like, how did I get there? How do I? Oh, now I got to get back. There's right? a subscription yeah, it's like, you, uh, If I read about it again, does it work? Now it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Okay. Lucid dreaming. Yes. Yes, that's a very good question. Um, for the Order of the Wells of Weir, we annually have an open round where we invite people to participate. But if you just are like, I so need to participate, um, just let me know. I mean, we have a, like a formal open round, but we're, we, we, ha- we frequently have guest streamers. We like it. It's great. So, yeah, come and play. Night terrors, my personal favorite. Ha. Who here has ever had a night terror? Lots of night tears in here. Super cool. Anyone here like them? I'm going to get there. I'll get, get there. Okay, so a night terror is actually not even a dream, right? It's a, it's a waking disorder, so, which makes it really, really interesting. Remember that chemical I was telling you about that your body gets flooded with, so less you're me, and like, so that you're frozen in time and space and you don't get out of bed and terrorize your husband? Um, so a night terror is where that happens, except for that you wake up in your body, right? So you're frozen. That's, that's technically what's happening. But it's characterized by some really interesting and, like, to me, deeply shamanic um, things that are happening. So, and, and it's interesting that uh, most people that have them describe them pretty much the same way. Like, you feel like this crazy pressure on your chest, like something is sitting on your chest. I'll, I'll get you in just a second, okay? Most people hear, like, a swishing, like a whooshing sound, like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. They very often begin by... Um, you're like, God, I feel like I hear the radio is on, but I can't, I know it's not on, but I kind of feel like I hear voices that are happening or like very quietly in the background that you can't quite make up, make out. And then like, there's something in the room with me. That's usually like where the, everybody gets, she's like, yes, where, every, where everybody really starts to super freak out, right? Because it's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible, wonderful feeling, right? Depending on depending on, I guess, your, your chemical makeup. Has this ever happened to you now that you hear, you've heard what it is? No. no. Okay. So they're really, really common among kids, right? So the people that said that they had night terrors, were you referring to an adult experience or a kid experience? Kids? Adult? Adult? You do? Is that the thing kind of where you twitch and kind of come awake? You, can, you know, this is the one where the parents run in because their kid is screaming with their eyes open, and they're like, wake up, wake up, and the kid can't, is not waking up. And, and my kids have them, too, now. Yeah, and you had them as a kid. All the time. All the time, she says, all the time. Okay, so if this is your thing, and you have it, or it's your thing, and you have it, and you don't want it, um, the, I have a couple, did I say how to get there yet? Oh, we did all these. Oh, how do you do it? I, I kind of like, I kind of like made the assumption, and then later that people would want to do it. And I was like, maybe that's not, maybe this is the wrong slide. Like, maybe this is not something that people actually want to do. Um, You're dealing with studies. So, so yeah, I know. I, I'm like, well, 
Well, one or two or three of you. Okay. Um, so, so a couple of things. So you can, if you have this and you don't want it and you would like it to stop, um, and I don't have any expert advice for you for your kids, but I'm, so I'm speaking like for adults. Um, I find that it's really interesting to approach this as a shamanic trance state, right? So like this is like a deeply shamanic a trance state that's happening for you. And so um, one of the things that people often describe when they're in this state is that they're, because they can't move, they're like trying so hard to move their hands or their feet or some just any sensation of movement can get you out of that state, right? And so then what I would say is don't, like, relax into it. Let it happen. Um, for um, a really long time ago, God, I hate saying that, like, 20 years ago? I don't know. That's not that long ago. I was having a series of night terrors that was, like, it was horrible, right? So um, every single night, I was exhausted, which probably helped me to continue to have them. And I wasn't really having a good time at this point, because it wasn't like the one-night knockoff, like, yeah, that was cool. Um, and, and, and it progressed to where, like, some of the other states started to, like, like coalesce into this night terror state. And so, like, so, like the thing that was that I felt was in the room with me actually was in the room with me and then it was like crawling up into the bed and then it was like sitting on my chest and then it was like right in my face, right? And and it was the Medusa, right? And and I think that's funny since like it was the Medusa makes you freeze, so that seemed appropriate. And and to to work past that for me at that time, what I ended up doing, what I'm a visual artist, I probably should have said that, um, is that I ended up making a cast of my face. And then I cast all these like rubber snakes so that my face is like the Medusa. And I, and I poured it into bronze. So I made a bronze Medusa mask of myself, right? And it was amazing because of, through that whole, and that took a while. It wasn't like I'm like, I think I'll cast some bronze today. You know, it, it, t- it took like a couple of weeks. But the, the dreams, the, the night, that night terror series like instantly ended. So, there, so I feel like there's different ways that you can, you can make it stop. But if you want to make it go, <laughs> that's a totally different thing. Um, so if you want to have a night terror, um, think, about, think about when you're a little kid, if you had night terrors, what did you do when you were really scared and thought something was in the room with you, right? What do most people do? They're like, they take the sheet and they put it over their head, right? So, so I, I'm like, and it works. And it works for the easy reason that if you're already having that flooding of that, that chemical in your body that's making you frozen in space and time, if you just change your oxygen composition just a little bit, then it'll get you the rest of the way there. So I have lay on your back. It really doesn't work on your side, not for the most part. Um, I said, be ready with a super soft pillow or blanket. Um, so when when you're ready, like just like it's got to be light. Don't use the ones here; or you might die. Like they're really heavy, like really light over the top of your head, um, and relax into the sensation. There's something in the room with you. It helps if you lock your door. Uh, something in the room with you. Um, and really concentrate on all those background sounds that are happening. So I really, really like um, like uh, white noise. I sleep with a fan, like really loud fan. And one of the reasons why I like it is it makes um, harmonics. Does this happen to anybody else? Like where you're listening to white sound and you're listening really carefully and even more carefully and you start hearing, wait, it's not one sound, it's two sounds. No, it's three sounds. No, it's eight sounds. And they're all like doing this crazy resonant harm. Harmonics and the voices start. Okay, that's when you put the pillow over your head, just so you know. Um, if possible, once you realize you can't move, relax. And uh, it says try. It says try to move your fingers or toes. It should say try not to. Try really hard not to. Let me know how that works for you. For those of you who are interested, and I'm so happy to talk about this with anybody at any time. 
Thanks for while I'm having one. Okay. What what's my time? I might oh 36 minutes. It's new. Keep going. Just, but I have till 1230. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll try to. I'm, I'm going to have to go a little bit longer. Okay. Here's another. This is pretty fun. Full body and erotic dreams. Anybody? anybody? <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Okay. Tell me about. What do you mean full body dreams? Because it's like you can feel your full body, right? Like, you, whereas in the last slide, we're talking about like you're like frozen in time. You can't really feel anything. This is like. It's it, it's not your it's not your brain that's disengaged like you have sensation over your entire body and I don't mean like just the sheets or whatever right so okay full body and erotic dreams so I say they begin like an out of body experience well I I switched the order of the slides sorry we'll we'll talk about the out of body experience a little bit so it has a lot of things in common then uh, also with the um, with the night terror state of like that whole like I hear stuff happening in the background. Um, this, this is, if you have insomnia, this is a great state for you to play with, right? Because this is the one that will actually get you to sleep. Because sleep deprivation actually is conducive to having, to having this kind of a uh, discrete state of consciousness, right? Um, one of the things that I've learned about this, that this works a lot better if you're laying on your back or your stomach. Um, and there's a bunch of research about that, but I won't go into that. Um, characterized by a strong tingling that covers your entire body, um, again, can involve fear of the idea that something in the room is with you, similar to night terror. And, and the way that I discovered this state was by being really, really tired because I had too many night terrors and I was like completely sleep deprived and I like finally relaxed and I was like, oh, whoa, <laughs> how do I get back there? Okay. So this is, this, is, this is a good one. Oh, how do I do it? We just talked about that. Observant dreams. So this is another one um, for people who have insomnia. Um, so I'm saying that, I'm calling it a dream. It's in that, that sort of like dead zone I was telling you about where they're like, that's dreamless sleep. But I'm like, no, there's, there's stuff happening there. It's just harder to access. So observant dreams is happening between um, non-REM sleep between cycles two and three, right? They, yes? That's actually a, a awareness of this state is one of the tests for attainment in Vedanta. Oh. Uh, causal awareness is the ability to maintain awareness in deep dreamless sleep. I see. And it's the, it differentiates from subtle awareness, which is where it's like the images of the gods, the causal levels are where the forms are supposedly. Right. Yeah, this is not, there's not, there's not images, right? Yeah. So this, I like to call this one the state of thinking about thinking. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure how else to put it. Um, so it, it, if you get stuck here, it can be super irritating, right? Because again, there's nothing to look at, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, but what am I interacting with? Um, so it's characterized by the idea you're not able to sleep, but also you're not awake and you're not resting. Okay, here's the thing that I found out about this state that I think is amazing, which is that I, when I used to sort of struggle with this, I'd be like, oh, but I need to get to sleep. I've got to get to work. I'm not going to be rested. This is terrible. And again, it came down to like the relaxation part. I knew I didn't, I thought I didn't ever fall fully asleep. But as soon as I stopped having anxiety about it, I'm like, wait a minute, it's time to get up and I feel great. Like, whoa, there, something did happen. Like, this whole idea you have to be in REM to have restorative sleep is bullshit, okay? 
Um, it can be, oh, can be a powerfully relaxing state if you're aware of what state it is, as with many of these different kinds of states. It can be produced by anxiety. That's not the most fun version. So like for me, I get there when I'm like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I forgot to turn in that report. OK, when I get up, I'm going to plan my day. I'm going to be there at 10. I'm going to tell this person. That's, that's how the state often begins, not ends for me. Um, the thing that's cool about this is both your short-term and your long-term memory are accessible. right? So you can think about what tomorrow is going to happen or what happened that time you were five years old. OK. okay. Oh, we talked about how do I do it? I like these people wandering around. I just chose this because they're like, what am I doing? Okay. Um, okay, when you discover that you're stuck in between sleep and awake, again, this is a good one to roll onto your side. Um, take note of the last thought that you recall having. Now, I want you to imagine that that thought is a long silver thread extending from you, and it's like curling out like this. It's curling out, it's so beautiful, and then you need to let it go, and then follow it with your mind, and see where it goes. Okay. Try it. Rehearsal dreams, oh boy. So the, <laughs> at the beginning, these are the similar to observant dreams. So these are the um, um, these are those dreams that y'all, who here has ever had the one where they're like, oh my god, I'm at school and I didn't study for the test and today's the final exam. Anyone have that one? Like, and you're naked. Wow, double jeopardy. <laughs> like, okay. Or, or I get this one um, like, oh my god, it's opening night of the big play and I'm the star, but I didn't go to any rehearsals, and I don't know the lines, and they're pushing me on the stage, and I'm supposed to sing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do remember this. Yeah, yeah. Usually they're around, like, work stuff. Right. Oh, I got too many tables. You know, I can't, I forgot to put in their order or shit like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yes, it's that. Like, some people like to just focus on the anxiety aspect. I'm with my or wise. Look at it more as like an opportunity or a cool challenge. Um, I also say this includes the motif of under, over, through, around. Anyone have any clue what I, excuse me, what I mean by that? Does anyone here have this experience of the dream where you're going down the hallway and then you open the door and you go through the door and then you go up the ladder and you have to go through the other hallway and out the window and down the, you know, that, that's this state. If you have that, that's this state. <clears throat> It's not necessarily a chase dream, right? But it's like, I'm, I'm climbing up the ladder, I'm walking down the thing, and now I'm going this way, and I'm up here, and I'm like, what's under here? And I have to get in this little door. Yeah. That's yeah. No, that's this dream. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah. That's so what, a, about, what about the house dream, and there's like, there's like something in the <laughs> let me let me get through this and we'll get back. We'll, we'll get well, I, I have one other question about this. Is, this. is this the kind of dream where you're continuing what you were doing before you went to bed? Please contextualize what you're asking. What? Please contextualize what you're asking. I'm not sure what you're asking. So say you're um, doing a... Okay, well, um, when after... Um, so you're really question mm-hmm. recognition mm-hmm. ceremony. Mm-hmm. I went to bed that night. Mm-hmm. I continued to have a dream that we were performing this working still. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think I I I'm not sure because I wasn't in your mind. <laughs> uh, but um, I guess the way that um, hmm, possible. 
Yeah, possibly. I will have to have more details to know about it. Be because it doesn't have to, because it doesn't, <laughs> yes, um, it doesn't, because it doesn't necessarily have to be like a continuation of what you were doing before to be a rehearsal. Like, I'm, I've just got to let you guys know, I'm not opening on a Broadway show, so there's no reason for me to be rehearsing that that's about to happen, you know? So it doesn't have to be a continuation. It could be. I'll have to think more about that. These these dreams though they're they're not very restful. So if you find yourself here, try to get back to this other one, right? Try to try to try to use it as a launching point to this observant dream. All right. Um, there, the other difference with the rehearsal dreams is this is truly happening in the rim the rim state. I don't mind this because I use this for uh, planning artworks, like one of the ones that you get to see at the end, like um. Like I, I'm like, okay, here I am. Well, I guess here I'll like design what the next work is gonna look like, right? Um, also, as a side effect, usually when I leave this state in the night, I usually end up in the bizarre instrument dream, which is one of my favorites, where I'm like surrounded by all these instruments that have never been invented. Yeah. So it's a super, it's a super creative state, is what I'm getting at. But it's, it's a pain in the ass if you're just trying to get to work the next day. Oh. Um, here, we're going to have a little segue. A method for having useful rehearsal in most other dreams. Okay, so um, a while back, I was having a lot of trouble. I, I was very successful with um, getting into the hypnagogic state and being able to like bring what I wanted with me into the dream state and doing whatever I wanted, and then I couldn't fucking remember what happened <laughs> when, I, when I was waking up, right? And this was really, really frustrating to me. So um, I invented this thing for myself, which I ended up calling the, the Aurora effect, right? So essentially what I did is I um, just created like an archetypal manifestation of this idea of the morning, which I called the Aurora, and her job was to stand by the gate. And so my job was, as I was like knowing I was going to be waking up pretty soon, instead of like, do you guys ever do this when, you're, when you had a really cool dream and you're like, oh, I got to totally remember that. Oh, I got to totally remember that. And, and, and like, it's like as you get closer and closer to waking up, it's like, there it goes. Bye-bye. I, I, I used to remember the whole thing. Now I remember half. Now I remember one word. Now I don't remember anything. So this is my method for getting you past that, right? So instead of trying to remember <laughs> what you dreamt, the contents, the order, the feeling, anything, don't. Just don't. Don't do any of that, right? Instead, what I suggest that you do is think of everything that just happened as a giant spiral. You keep noticing probably all these big spirals and round shapes in all my slides. Just it's a big spiral. You're just going to wind that dream up. You're not even going to try to remember the content of it in any way. Just picturing it like a spiral. And take, you know, take that with you. Like, and as you wake up and as you, and as you get to Aurora, the lady at the gate, right, she's going to be like, hey, what do you got for me? I'm like, oh, I got this spiral. And then she's going to give you something. Right? So it works on the basis of exchange. And whatever she gives you is going to help you remember your dream. When you wake up all the way, that thing may not have ever showed up in your dream whatsoever, but it will encapsulate everything that just happened. A lot of people have played with this. If you do, I would love to hear more about it. Um, so in the OWW, um, we took it to a little bit different, a little bit, like a, a little bit different of a level. So what we always, what we always do is we have this idea of the world of many pools, right? And so we visit there in our dreams, and um, at the end of our dream, like at the end of a dream round, instead of trying to remember every single thing that happened or the significance of whatever just occurred. And so we go to a pool, and the pool of the world of many pools, we receive a gift, and then that ends up being the thing that, like, oh, later I can look at and say that was, <laughs> that was the point of all of that. Um, 
it honors the, the, the gifts of the self that are happening from participating in this work. Okay. Which is the segue to shared dreams. Anybody here ever share a dream with somebody else? Raise your hand. Anybody here thinking, not possible, you can't do that? A shared dream is, a mutual, a mutual dreaming is the idea that two or more people can share the same dream environment. Notice I didn't say the same dream. <laughs> the same dream environment, right? Um, does that spark anybody's like, oh, maybe I have done that before, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is great. Okay, he's checking everyone. He checks off. It doesn't have to. No, this is what we do at the OWW. <laughs> That's what this is, yeah. Yeah, that's what this is. Same, same dream environment. So the next quality of that I have is that um, are able to be incubated and or taught. Okay, so that's what we do, right? And, and, and I want to be clear. We're not like, okay, everyone, this is what we're going to do. Everyone dream of a big red ball tonight, okay? Like, it's, that's... that's say environment like, like, oh, we were all on a beach somewhere kind of thing or something like that? Or? It could be locational specific, but... We try to be more conceptual. I feel that conceptual is what spawns sort of like this ability to create the location. So environment, not necessarily. I wouldn't start with it. But what, what because else? that will that will Maybe happen. Like the same color or something. No, like I said, we don't. We're not like everyone dream about a big red ball. No. So like we're we're conceptual, right? So we'll be like, okay, this dream round is going to be five nights long, and in this dream round, what we are going to do is we are going to focus on um, an aspect of healing, and the aspect of healing that we are going to focus on are. Well, I'm just making one up. The ailments of the body, um, and the way that we're going to share the environment is because um, we're going to, um, on the first night, um, this is typically what we do. On the first night, um, we're just going to free dream, dream whatever you want. It doesn't matter. On the second night, um, we're going to think about um, th- like things from our past that um, were healed. The third night, we'll do Vrtandi, right? We'll think of like right now, what do I need right now? The fourth night, then we'll say, okay, um, given all of that, what, what could possibly be a type of healing that I could participate in in the future or what would this mean to me in the future? And the fifth night, we call like recompression. So it's like scuba diving coming back to the surface. That's what I mean by shared environment. However, that being stated, I mean, most people when they're dreaming are in a locale, right? Like you, you find yourself, usually you wake up, you're like, I find myself X, Y, Z, right? And so what tends to happen is pretty intense synchronicities about where we find ourselves. <laughs> That's why I wouldn't start with the environment first. Because where you are and who's there with you it tells as much about what is occurring as does like the actual like um, content of what's happening in the dream. So for example, and I don't, I don't know how this happened, and maybe this will help you. I don't know how this happened. We didn't plan it. But besides the world of many pools, another place that was created um, in the OWW dreamscape is this crazy Chinese food restaurant. It's like absolutely bizarre. People can come and participate in our dream round who don't know that. Well, now if you do, you'll be like, yeah, whatever. Um, who don't know that. And they're like, and then I found myself at this Chinese food restaurant. And we're like, oh, my God. Where did, why is this part of the landscape? I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> Take a cookie. Like I don't know. I'm not sure what to say. But 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 that's the. But, okay. I, I, I was just confused by the, the word environment. Because when I think environment, I think of my physical. 
physical space. It can be. I mean, it can be. Like, um, for I don't know if there's any parents here that co-sleep with their kids or if you have a partner. I mean, it can be physical. Like, I mean, when my, when my husband is sleeping next to me, that, that can have an influence, you know, but, but it, I'm not, I don't mean you have to be in the same room. Um, although we did recently have the, our study in slumber party. That was interesting. I didn't, I didn't even bother asking, what would y'all dream? Like, did anything happen? I don't know. Okay. Um, yes. A couple of other factors of it. So this, this would be like a huge, a huge feature of, of the OWW dream round, right? Um, and I, and I, and I want to really, I mean, what's the next slide? I want to really clarify, okay, yeah. I want to really clarify that it's not our goal to dream other people's dreams or to necessarily even be like, I shared a dream with you. That's not, if it's an, like most things in magic, if it's your intention, you're like, I'm going to do that thing right there. Like, you're, no, this is what's going to happen over here. Right? So, like, for us, the trick is to look over here. So, this is the thing that can occur for us. So, very often, what happens for us is we have this thing that we call a dream hit. Anybody use this? Terminology. What? What? How do you use it? But yeah, what's again? So we have these synchronicities. Um, I remember in, in the dream out, we all have this, had similar dreams, and there was that specific detail in the dream that more than one person had. Is that? Yeah, sort of. Did, so you had similar dreams, or you shared like a feature? It was a feature. Yeah. Feature do you remember what it was? Just out of curiosity. It was infinite. Okay. Yeah, so dream hit is like, okay, um, we didn't know it, but when we started this, we all adjusted like the same material, and then this is what it produced in me, this is what it produced in you, that's what it produced in you. And so the features have a tendency to be synchronous and start having some pretty weird alignments, which is, which is really cool. So you could take it as a one-to-one, and that happens, right? So like... Um, I really like owls, and so I dream about owls, and then they jumped about an owl, and they jumped about an owl, and you look under your chair, there's an owl, you know, owls for everybody. Um, but, but it doesn't have to be that way either, because one of the things that, that, that we have found is that very often, um, like, things that are happening in your dreams are, they, you can think of them as symbols, I find that kind of kludgy and uncomfortable, um, but it does work to the extent that if you are actually having an experience of experiencing somebody else's essence while they're in this nocturnal, this discrete state of conscious, uh, consciousness in a nocturnal state, right? So, like, um, we had an a event where, and I'm sorry, I can't remember all the details, um, but where one person basically had a dream about that they're driving down a road and the road had all these kinks in it and man they couldn't get around and the car like kept not wanting to go and there was all these issues and then the other person and the other person that was participating was like I just found out yesterday that I was diagnosed with um, a, a gastrointestinal issue that is actually really really serious right so like you can you can, so this person's like dreaming like of the shape, right? And the other person's like experiencing like the physicality in the body. This is the kind of exchange that I'm, that I'm talking about that can happen in the shared, the shared dream space. Call it dream space instead of environment. So maybe that works better. Dream context. Dream, yeah. yeah space, context, yeah, okay. Um, one thing that's really cool about shared dreams is that, is that you can get back to them pretty easy. Like once that territory is established, it's it's ter- like the Chinese food restaurant. You can you can get back there. Um, okay. 
Oh, uh, one word of caution. Um, this kind of thing works best in a controlled environment. Oh, sorry, environment. Uh, and what I mean by that is, like, like within within a context. Okay, you guys are right. Um, within, <laughs> within a context. So, so like, so like, even though like we're pretty avid dreamers in in my order. Um, and we do obviously have dream experiences outside of formal dream rounds. We find like the formality of that w- works the best. And I don't just mean also for the effect of it, but there's probably nothing more irritating. I'm just letting you guys know, and maybe you feel differently than like getting all like piles of email from people telling you what they dreamt and how they dreamt about you, and that they know that's what's happening to you, and they want to check in with you about that. Like there's a time and a space, right? Um, to be able to do that, and so that's why we control it within this context. You guys know what I mean? Yeah, everyone's looking at me blankly, so I'm going to move on. Okay. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about this. So, what, this is in the context of the shared dream space. Very often, and most often, the way that we utilize it in the OWW is for healing. Okay, so. In this statement, the gift of set does not inherently heal, but it does make us aware of our estrangement in terms of the cosmos. But the gift has in its pattern, and it's weird, the notion of a better, more perfected, and complete state. So weird is both a place and a force of healing, especially when we share the knowledge of our weird with others. And so that's for, that, for us, is the reason for our work. Here's another really fun um, discrete state of uh, consciousness, which is shape-shifting. Any shape-shifters here? Yeah, I would think so. Okay. Um, so, pardon? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't quite hear what you said. Okay, so shape-shifting is a fairly uh, recent feature of the OWW. So, like, maybe in the last eight years or so, we started to um, really, like, be um, concentrating on that as something that, um, that we do. Um, like a lot of the uh, other states, it's easily accessed from a lucid or out-of-body state and vice versa. Um, what's really unique about shape-shifting is that, um, that well, the dreams are the, the very, very detailed dreams. They're super easy to remember. Um, and and um, they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just, they're very physical. Like they have a lot of sensation in them. So if you're, if you're a sensophile, right? If you really, really need that in order to be able to remember your dreams, for example, um, shape-shifting is a, is a really good option for you. I'm looking at priest or Do I have a how do we do it? Oh, we, this is where I say incubating a dream because we had talked about that and I promised you I would tell you what that was. Um, okay, it, does every, unless everybody here already knows how to do that. Does everyone here already know what I mean when I say incubating a dream? Oh, okay, a few people, but okay. So incubating a dream. So incubating a dream is when you're like, okay, I'm going to plant the seeds for what I want to dream about, or at least the context of what I want to have occur in advance of that happening, which is... I want to have a flying dream. Oh, yeah, right? Or, or one of those out-of-body dreams or whatever, right? Okay, yeah. So I want to have a flying dream. So what you do is you're going to choose an intentional dream act or action. Now, you want to give yourself like five to seven days. That science says that five or seven days, anything that happens like within that well of time, that's probably going to, that's probably going to work for you. It's probably going to pop up. And in that time, you should become super aware of your surroundings and especially any synchronicities that occur, right? So before you, when, when, once you pick that date, and so you're, let's say, let's just say, um, 
um, I'm going to pick on you, um, that I want to dream about a raven, okay? And so I'm like, I'm going to dream about a raven. And so then you're like, what? why is that? Everywhere I look, now I'm seeing ravens. There's a poster of a raven. There's a raven sitting right there. Someone gave me a raven. I mean, it's not that that thing maybe necessarily wasn't happening before. It's just like now you're hyper aware of it. So that's what I mean about um, become aware of your surroundings and any synchronicities that occur. So before you go to sleep for the chosen night that you do it, you should use a method of guided meditation or transinduction. Anybody here do guided meditation with themselves or have someone that does it with them? Yes, no, maybe. Or trance induction. How many people here can put themselves in a trance? Hopefully everyone's hand is raised. No? Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk about that more later. Huh? If not, it's teachable. It's very, it's extraordinarily teachable. Well, I, I, I can, I'll get back to that at a different talk then. Um, I don't want you to be discouraged if you can't remember what you dreamt when you incubate your dream, but I do want you to record the results. So how many people keep a dream diary? Anybody? So, so how many people in their dream diary write down that they don't remember what they dreamt? I don't remember what I dreamt. Start writing down, I don't remember what I dreamt, right? So you're having like this conversation with yourself, essentially, right? And if you're like, I only care about the parts where you tell me stuff that makes me really awesome, like that's not, that's a one-sided dialogue, right? I could see not wanting to participate that in that, right? But if you look at it from the flip side, it's like, I don't remember what I dreamt doesn't mean that you failed as the, as the, as the waking dreamer. It means that the, that the message isn't done, right? So maybe there's like part two and part three, Right? So be sure to write down, I don't remember what I dreamt. Okay. Out-of-body experience. Anybody have out-of-body experiences? Yeah. Yes, no, maybe. You do? A flying. But out-of-body experience? Like, are you having a, like, I'm flying, or are you having a out-of-body, like, you, like, lift up out of your body and... Oh, no, no. No? Flying in my dreams. That's it. Okay. Sure. Those are the best. Okay. So an out-of-body experience, so some people call it um, an out-of-body experience. It's an experience that involves, it can be the feeling of floating, flying, walking outside of your body, feeling of perceiving your physical body like it is separate from you. Yes? What can be the explanation for that? Uh, I very often have this experience like out-of-body dreaming. Okay. And you want me to explain why that happens? That's my question. I would rather come back to that, um, in all honesty, because that's such a long conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's like, are you asking what does science say? Are you asking like what chemically is happening in your body? Are you asking spiritually? What is that? It's a long conversation. Okay, but 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 um, but a but a really interesting one. So thank you. I will I will put that in my my flip file. Okay. So often with out-of-body experiences, it begins with um, that sleep paralysis that we're talking about, like that feeling that you can't move. Um, again, you can easily get to it from a lucid state. Um, I find that this, like the out-of-body state, it tends to be a state where it's sort of like the nexus state, where all these other like th- dream states and states of consciousness like kind of coalesce to try to like get you to have to have this particular experience, right? And and you're right, priest, because it often does have. Like the, like the flying motif or, or, or whatever. But what I like it for is more that it feels like a, a really, um, it's like a traveling state of consciousness. So like if you, think of, if you think of all these different states as like being like these different like blobs of consciousness, of discrete states that you can access, the, 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 the way that you travel through them would probably be this out-of-body state. 
We'll have to talk more about that later. Okay. I have this really cool picture about it, though, because it feels like that. <laughs> that guy coming out of his body. So, of all the states, this one was the hardest for me. It was really freaking frustrating because every single person I worked with that um, was in my order or that I knew professionally or colleagues, um, colleague dreamers or whatever, they were like, oh, I can have out-of-body experience, no problem. I'm like, God, why can't I can't? Like, why can I not do this? They're like, oh, just imagine a silver cord. Like, every single thing that, <laughs> right? Every single thing that they, that they tried to teach me, I could not freaking do it. Until I realized that the issue that I was having was actually that this is this is a this is a state about the the way that you experience the flow of your energy, right? And so what I developed for myself, and I'll pass on to you. If it's useful to you, let me know. If not, that's fine. It works for me. Um, is is a way that I move energy through my body, right? So when I want to have an out of body experience, I turn on my side. I have my pillow, not the one on my head, but I have like one between my hands. So I have one down here, one here. I'm laying on my side. And I start to really concentrate on the feeling of the energy between my two hands passing through this pillow, right? And so then I can feel it, and it's getting stronger, and it's getting stronger. And so then I let it start to travel, like, up and down, right? And especially it, it's especially useful at this point, if you're good at working with energy, if when you can finally feel it sort of starting to reverberate up and down, if you can create around starting at your feet like a cyclone that is happening of this energy until it finally comes out of the top of your head. And look, there you go with it. Oh, look, there it is. Okay, prophetic dreams. I know. So then this always happens, right? I totally dreamt that would happen, right? Has this ever happened to anybody? Yeah, of course. So usually these are thought of as dreams that will predict the future. They're not really predicting the future, but they are giving us really important clues about probable outcomes, right? So our minds are like so insanely good at detecting patterns. And so that's what happens when you're sleeping, right? With this kind of a dream. Um, it's usually characterized by a feeling of deja vu, which I like to call vuja day, the feeling that this has never happened before because I feel like that's much more accurate. But I understand for other folks, it's like, this happened before. Um, are associated with a feeling of true certainty. They're almost always REM dreams. And I'm going to combine this with, oh, they have a lot of detail. Sorry, another tornado, often repetitive. Oh, this is this last one. I got to do a whole thing on this. Inspire the feeling, oh, the feeling, sorry, I should say, of having a cosmic destiny. Okay, That's, that might not be the best sign. I'm combining it with mythic dreams, okay? So those two I'm putting together. So mythic dreams are often characterized by modalities that involve images and experiences of the past. Um, people sometimes talk about it as like they're dreaming about their past life. Um, they have, uh, they're usually about somebody being really interested in studying a historical topic of some kind and like sort of like becoming really enmeshed in that. Um, I think that they are useful for exploring some aspects of uh, being um, inspired about where to look for certain kinds of historical information. If that's your thing, I want to really caution you to please actually do the research and don't assume because you had a dream about that that that's how that really occurred. Um, and I say can occur horrifically in ecstatic states or with strong emotional substance, but they require a sense of stewardship. And that's and and I'm I'm combining those two things because I want to talk just like really 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 briefly about this idea of um, having having 
a sense of having a cosmic destiny, right? So, uh, and I will speak personally and not call out on anybody. So for me, when I first entered the temple, I was like, I have a cosmic destiny. This is so important. This thing, I'm like, it's so big. And it's this dream, and it's all about me, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, so I... Um, Worked very uh, closely with um, then uh, Magister and then Magister a little bit their their magical child, and they they were polar opposites in this idea, right? So where I would be like, cosmic destiny is the most important thing that can happen to a person because it tells you what your destiny is. So I look everyone is like, let's figure out what destiny really fucking is, okay? Before we go first to the first thing that you ever experience ever as the feeling aha that actually I happen to be self aware. So with cosmic destiny, I feel like it's a little bit of a self-esteem, like a nocturnal self-esteem issue, right? That, that the over-importance of what you are um, like is going to outweigh your ability to go, to go and experience initiation, and especially to, to be able to run through these states and get anything out of them, right? Because all that's going to happen is every time you're the star of the show, which you already are, but you're the star of the show because you put on the show. And I'm going to tell you to what extent that this was me. I, when I was younger, at the end of my dreams, there would be credits, right? <laughs> Lighting by costume spot. And it was always my name. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for me, working with weird and working... Working past that notion helped me see like what what a cosmic destiny really is. I mean, I I, I hear people refer to weird as like that this is a this is an unfurling of your destiny. And it, yes, I can see that we can work with that idea. But but I'm talking about the the cosmic one. Like you're you've got the thing, and you're going to save the day, and the planet, and the spaceships came, and now you just heard part of mine, right? Okay, <laughs> it's my favorite one. Okay, um, I'm. This is a lovely poem, of course. It's the, the poem of Yggdrasil from the Volus, but for the sake of time, I'm, I'm, going to go, I'm going to go past this slide. But there's a really cool picture of a whirlpool also. Okay. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm kind of summarizing, and then I'm going to show you my video piece. So we're almost, we're almost to the end. But I want to share with you this, and I'm going to just like, here's the nail, here's the hammer. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep counting on this. I don't even know for how many years, you guys. Um, so this is the 10 theses about weird as informed by desire. So this is kind of like the scaffolding for me of everything that I've been working on. I consider this part of a, like, it's like a living document for me. So like occasionally I go back in and I'm like, oh wait, that one word there is not quite right, but I'll put it right there. So, so you'll see this show up over time. I think it, ha- it, had, a, it had a totally different title when I first started um, working with this about five years ago. Um, I don't even remember what it was anymore. Um, but, but I'm going to share it with you as it is right now and understanding that it's a work in, like everything I'm doing, it's a work in progress. Okay. So for me, this is, this is how I would define weird. Weird is a self-willed unfolding of our truest desire. So while some basic desires in life may change, our self, I should say, is unending. Our self changes but is unending. Long desire requires continuous discovery of the self. The sense of weird is only created within an inner life force that has been touched by the source of its mystery. This is um, in the uh, uh, crystal tablet also. So the source is set. In knowing set, we become set-like. We learn to carefully create opportunities for ourselves to comprehend and to fulfill our weird. 
By participating in our weird, we create within ourselves a potential to realize our isolate intelligence and to live and give life to others as divine beings. That seems to be the theme of this whole conclave. So when we fulfill our weird, we have come to know Set. Um, I have come into being, and by my coming into being, the place of my coming into being has expanded. So this is, this is my take on it from, from the, what I'm calling the book of weird, which is a transmission that I received that told me, weird, go do that. When we act on our sense of weird, we recognize ourselves as having all that we need, and so in other words, we become complete. When we become complete, we perfect ourselves in the cosmic sense. So we become as set. When we become as set, we must articulate the understanding of our weird to others who are also set-like. As set says in the tale of two brothers, let then my nobles be brought to me so that they may know the truth of my becoming. I'm going to share a video piece with you now, um, and it's called Dream Book. Sure, that's shocking given the context of this talk. And so, what it is, I, I primarily work as a video artist. Um, I'm also a painter, but primarily I do video art. And so, what, what this piece was, was um, a piece that was projected onto a, a big book, a big blank book, and it had motion detectors on it. And so, when people walked up to it, like the, the book would activate, right? So, you, so, it's like a book that you watch. And, and, and to give like a little bit of context about how this relates, so this, is, this is myself and Ipsissimus Webb free-forming it for, for 10 minutes talking about uh, just dream experiences with just no interruption. There's, this is, this is uh, just so you know, one take. Um, but there is like a, um, like there's some other images that I kind of wove in through it. So, so you'll see that. So, so in thinking about like what is it like to um, experience um, that sort of um, nocturnal consciousness or discrete state of consciousness with just one other person, I think that this is a really good example. And then when you think about like the cacophony that might occur when it's m more than like one mind of your trusted long-term partner, it, it might give you some insight. Like again, why why we like the context of it, but also, and I find this interesting. So we didn't sit next to each other and do in the camera like. I made him go, and then I did it. And then, like, throughout it, there's these very strange synchronicities that occur in both the topics that we talk about and then the way that we relate to them. I'm warning you in advance, this is art, okay? So it's not a documentary, <laughs> okay? And that's, that's important because it, you, might, you might struggle at first. But let it happen, okay? <laughs> well, I have all that footage. It's not the most interesting. <laughs> and I might have to, hold on, adjust the... This is because Ipsismus Webb couldn't be here. I have the most often. I'm in my grandfather's okay? workshop, which is behind his garage. And I'm the age I was when I was there now, when I was taking care of But I'm not all my mental processes in your place now. Because you can't go backwards and look at me. Very, very. Not taking care of me. Anyway, I'm thinking 
Hey guys, that was art. <laughs> thank you, thank you for playing. <clears throat> well, thank you for listening to another installment of Davonosophy 2.0, the only podcast exploring the congruence of liberty and the left-hand path. For more information, visit our website at www.damonosophy.com. Follow our tweets at airbeth underscore trans. Or join the discussion on Facebook at the Damonosophy Group. And until next time, keep the dark fire burning.
Thank you.